Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Episode 23 of the podcast that is sweeping the nation. That's right, One Man's Opinion. Here today, I am your host, Jeff Manns. It is, boy, it's late July at this point, training camp right around the corner. Bonus episode today, everybody. We're talking about the Scott Fish Bowl 10. You may not know. If you're not on social media, you probably don't know what the hell I was talking about with this episode title, SFBX. What does that mean? Just a bunch of words. Scott Fish Bowl. It's uh, the 10th year of it. It is a wonderful, wonderful league. One of the more prestigious leagues, I would suppose, in fantasy football. Best of all, it is for a great cause. I'll talk about that in a minute. But again, this is episode 23 of the One Man's Opinion Podcast. I, in case you just stumbled upon me, am Jeff Mans. You can find me a lot of different places. I am owner, operator, content provider, fantasyguru.com. Go there, check it out, the 2020 Fantasy Football Draft Guide. It's available now. Coaching systems, every you want to see 100,000 words of every single system in the National Football League. Now, it's all divided by teams, of course. They're all 32 teams. Offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, head coaches, offensive line coaches, quarterback coaches, everything you could imagine, volume reports, personnel groupings, who fits systems best, who doesn't fit the system, who is, where are the best matchups. This is something that you will use all season long, folks, to get an edge in fantasy football, in sports betting, and in daily fantasy football as well. And it's just one small piece of the 2020 Fantasy Football Draft Guide at Fantasy Guru Projections, Rankings, the My Guru tool, which will draft basically for you. It will help you analyze trades and do mock drafts and a 24-7 chat room that is available to you there as well. 50 Fantasy Football Strategy Podcasts, also part of that draft guide over there. And it's a full season. It's not just preseason, everybody. By the way, the Guru Guarantee, something we have uh, always stood by our products, obviously, but with COVID-19, and the concern you may have over the NFL season, whether it'll play or delay anything else. How about this? The guru guarantee, everybody, that is if the 2020 NFL season does not play, you will get 2021 fantasy football season completely free, and you will get a full year starting at the cancellation date of the season, full year of EliteSportsBetting.com, our sister site over there, it's a $600 value. You get it for the whole season. And we offer advice, picks, plays, articles, content, shows, podcasts, live streams about everything surrounding matchups in every single sport, betting on every single sport where it's legal, um, online books, odds, every tools, everything you need. So a $600 value for free, plus you get the following – NFL season free as it is. So no reason not to get it now. Fantasyguru.com. I mentioned EliteSportsBetting.com. I offer all my NFL analysis over there as well for the on the betting side. And then uh, Daily Fantasy Sports. I do baseball and football at EliteFantasy.com. If you go to EliteFantasy.com slash mans, 
M-A-N-S, get yourself a little discount on all three of those sites in general. So there you go. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, episode 23 today. I am, uh, it's a bonus because my Scott Fishbowl League has ended. I'm going to go over, you may hear me talking about it, whether you're listening to SiriusXM show, Fantasy Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. It's a show called Elite Sports. I'm on it. I host it 4 to 6, have, have so uh, for the last 10 years. 10 years I've done that right there. So I'm going to go through that all with you today. Players that I documented that I'm putting on tape, that I'm investing in here. The draft started on the 6th of July. got over a couple days ago, but I wanted to go through it with you guys here today. So back to the Scott Fishbowl. What is the Scott Fishbowl? It's 1,200 participants. It's by invitation only. And Scott, it's a uh, guy named Scott Fish, uh, does very good work for Fanball and uh, a variety of different sites um, with Sports Hub Technologies. And Scott Fish is um started doing this league a while ago and he what the goal of the league is to raise awareness and raise money for a charity his own charity or a charity i should say not his own uh, called fantasycares.net now fantasy cares is about fantasy sports industry coming together donating money time efforts everything you can to different causes every year scott and his crew um, take the money that's raised during the Scott Fishbowl, um, and, and he goes to local toy stores and Walmarts and Targets or any to- places, buys a ton of toys as much as possible for needy children and kids around Christmas time and goes and delivers those to the Toys for Tots program in different uh, areas around Minnesota, where he's from, and other places as well. It's also raised money for hurricane relief, for flood relief in Houston, for all different types of charities and and organizations it's a really really great thing that he does i'm really proud to be associated with not just the the league and it's not just a league to me you know we uh urge everybody to make a donation i think if everybody just gives you know 10 20 bucks whatever they can i mean we'd raise a, a heck of a lot of money that way as well so uh, it's a great cause. It is a very difficult league because it is subdivided into conferences, 32-team conferences, and um, this year's theme happens to be toys. And I'm in the Etch-A-Sketch conference. There's Cardboard Box, Pet Rock, Etch-A-Sketch, Lincoln Logs, Kite, Rubber Ducky, Tinker Toys, Play-Doh. Those are the conferences, and then you go within divisions and everything else there in uh, I think 32 teams per conference and the 12 team leagues in uh, in each leagues as well so 1200 participants it's a lot no question about it our guy Tyler Beaker over at Fantasy Guru has actually finished second in this contest twice in the last four years pretty amazing stuff so uh if you want to know about tyler and how he's done it and everything else uh follow him at tyler beaker on twitter at tyler b-u-e-c-h-e-r or just join us over fantasyguru.com where he's dispersing advice constantly so this particular scott fishbowl uh 
draft 12 team league it is a mix of fantasy sports industry meaning writers bloggers broadcasters uh business owners whatever it is and regular you know high-end fantasy players people who qualify or donate a lot to fantasy cares.net so it's a nice healthy mix in every league so you never really know what you're going to get um, every year I've been in this league, it has been, uh, it's been pretty, pretty tough. My leagues have been very tough. I've never, I don't, I've been in eight years. I don't think I've won the, my league yet in it. And that, that takes some doing I, not many leagues I can play eight years, not going to win once at least in there. So it's competitive to say the least, uh, the things that I love about, the Scott Fishbowl this year, something he did that was masterful. And it's really, this is going to speak directly into the heart of commissioners and those of you who are in charge and tasked with league setups and things like that. Because Scott did what every fantasy football league should be doing. And that is mixing up, the format, not going standard. Number one thing he did, he eliminated kicker and defense. Gone. They're, they, they're not a part of it anymore. They have been in the past. They're gone now. Okay, he did that. He also expanded the starting lineup. We went, for, we went to four flags. As uh, you know, you need four, you start up to four uh, flex options every single week. He also made one of those flex options a super flex, which means essentially two quarterbacks you can start two quarterbacks on any given week and that alone you would think all right well that's it's pretty cool and you know two quarterback leagues are the biggest the highest growing form of fantasy football around but it's a lot more than just that because what he did with the uh the scoring is absolutely fascinating too because quarterbacks don't score nearly as many points as you would think as normal leagues. For one, they it is a half a point per completion. Just a completion, right? He's using those stats. You think, okay, well, quarterbacks are going to score more. No, it's minus one point for every end completion. You see what that is? It, you're going to have to throw 60 plus percent just to break even on the completion and completion metric just for that point total you gotta throw at least over 60 percent of your passes you gotta complete just to get in the positives what's more it's minus four points for an interception and if you throw pick six it's minus six so the why I thought this would be an interesting topic and show to do is right away with that quarterback scoring, we recognize, all right, there's a dilemma here. Because quarterbacks, if you go through it, make your projections, and you can plug them all in into uh, the My Guru tool over at fantasyguru.com. If you do that, you'll immediately recognize, well, wow, quarterbacks don't score a lot of points. It's like, yeah, Lamar Jackson scored a ton of points last year. Other than that, once you get into – after you go through the top 12 quarterbacks in this format, it starts breaking down pretty dramatically and pretty rapidly. 
All right. It's the, the scoring goes way, way down and you go around and you, you look at quality quarterbacks like, uh, um, Philip rivers and, um, uh, Stafford golf, um, you know, Baker wasn't really good last year, but you know, guys in that mid tier and you, you, if you plugged in the projection system, you realize these guys only scored about 10 to 12 points a week. It's not a lot of points. It's a, it's a half point PPR also points per reception. So it's not a full point. So scoring is down a little bit that, but for tight ends, it's actually higher. For tight ends, it's a full point PPR. So you get a, what they call tight end premium type of league. All right. So it, it mixes that up. So um, right off the bat with tight, being a two quarterback league and a, a tight end premium league, you're immediately thrown off in the first round because you have decisions to make Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. What do you do in these circumstances? What do you do? in in these situations so obviously it was something i was tasked with here as well and i ended up drawing the 11th pick in this so for this season and again when this draft started a few weeks ago and even now as we sit late in january into january i wish it was january next year uh july not i don't really have a preference on my draft position this year i really i don't mind the first or second pick I really don't. I don't have a problem with the middle. I normally don't like middle picks just because I like to set trends and stuff. And I'll do a podcast about this later on. I did a, I did a strategy podcast all about it over at Fantasy Guru. But um, for the free folks here, I'm going to uh, – I'll talk about draft positioning later on. Uh, we didn't get to choose. It was all randomized. So I drew the 11th out of 12, which I'm totally fine with. I'm I'm great at being it's towards the end or the beginning is better for me normally, but I didn't mind any spot really because I, I have a pretty clear path and what I want to do with my first couple round picks at the very least. And after that, it doesn't matter where you're picking. So with the 11th pick at, at going in, I'm like, okay, um, you know, I may have a decision to make if Lamar or Patrick Mahomes wasn't there. Okay, I thought, all right, that's possible. And then Travis Kelsey, I'm like, all right, well, I kind of I figured the quarterbacks may be off the board at that point. So I'm like, all right, maybe Kelsey will still be around at that stage of it. If not, mm, you know, I'll probably end up with a uh, uh, Dalvin Cook is actually who I was contemplating. All right, Dalvin Cook's the guy I was thinking about drafting at that point. Remember, this was right after the Dalvin Cook holdout news came down as well. But I'm will. I've been talking about it, and I'm willing to take a shot on it in in, in this season. I'm willing to take a shot on Dalvin Cook. I don't. I'm not that worried about it. I would have to handcuff him with Alexander Madison, but I would do it. Well, things went way different than I thought. Just like always. McCaffrey and Barkley, the top two picks. No, that's totally normal. Nothing out of the ordinary there. Then we get to third and fourth pick in this first round, and Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes go three and four. 
Hmm. Okay. Well, I, you know, crazy, but you know, we see that and they're very good in any scoring format uh, in two quarterback league. Fine. I, you know, I think it's a little early. No problem. Zeke Elliott went fifth overall. Then all hell broke loose. Then all hell broke loose. Sixth overall, Russell Wilson goes off the board. Now, Russell Wilson is my number three. Russell Wilson is my third quarterback off the board, but I think that's crazy. It's really crazy to go a third quarterback in the first round. Kelsey goes seventh. Alvin Kamara goes eighth. Then even crazier. Drew Brees, Dak Prescott go nine and ten. Five quarterbacks go in the first round. And right off the bat, folks, this is where I saw and realized, oh, not everybody, not everybody was is looking at the scoring system. Aha. Okay, I got you now. I didn't realize. I thought we all kind of knew the scoring system. I thought we all knew, you know, about where, you know, where we would be, you know, the quarterbacks as good, you know, that you could start two quarterbacks as good as that is. In fact, you don't really have to if your second quarterback is going to be – a middle-of-the-line guy, a Daniel Jones or a, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or Martin Shoe. Like, those guys are actually could do some damage. There's weeks where the, those guys – if you look at the scoring last year, Deshaun Watson had a week where he had minus four points for the week. All right, and that was a week 11 of last year. That's a, that's a huge hit, right? A huge, massive hit. So, not great choosing all these quarterbacks i was very surprised because if you look at the top point scores if you just plug last year's stats into into this projection model this scoring system which i I, by the way i urge every single one of you to do it in your scoring system just so you know and that's why we have the my guru tool over there but nevertheless the quarterback lamar jacks was number one but christian mccaffrey was right behind him very close the third Highest scoring guy in this league was nearly 100 points less than those guys. And that was Michael Thomas of New Orleans Saints. Deshaun Watson, Kelsey, you know, these guys were all up there as well. Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, Aaron Jones. Like, why are we don't – quarterbacks aren't scoring such a premium. Only if they're Lamar Jackson did they score such a premium over these other, other positions and other guys. Okay, fine. So we'll see. I got left. So those are the first 10 picks. Five quarterbacks off the board. I couldn't freaking believe. I wound up Michael Thomas. My first pick, 11th overall. I'll take that all day. And I was deciding. At that point, I was like, well, (sighs) I loved Alvin Cook. I really, you know, I love Nick Chubb. I love Michael Thomas, obviously, and George Kittle is still there, who I think is the you know worthy of a spot in the first round because of his tight end premium. So I was, those four were all clinging around in my mind, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get two of these four. That's what that's what's going now. I get two of these four guys. All right. So ultimately, though, with the four flex spots, the one other thing that Scott Fish did. 
in, in the league setup is mandate that you only have to start one running back. So, okay. I'm like, well, if I only have to start one running back and quarterbacks are flying off the board, there's going to be tremendous value at wide receivers. And again, we could start seven wide receivers in this league if you really wanted to. So no reason not to, to lock down a, a guy like Michael Thomas, which is what I did. And then it came back around. Derrick Henry goes off the board, which does make some sense because it's, a not, it's only a half-point PPR format, not full point, where I wouldn't pay that kind of premium for Henry in, a, in that league. And then Kyler flipping Murray goes off the board, six quarterback before I get to the, the uh, 14th pick. Like, all right, fine. So at that point, it was Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, or George Kittle. And I went George Kittle because the one running back that I have to start, because I fit, there were so many great, at this point, only one wide receiver was off the board. I mean, you're talking Hopkins, Tyreek, Devontae Adams, still there, Julio still there. Surely these guys are going to go. Ertz would be off the board. Some of these guys are going to draft some more quarterbacks are going to fly. I'm like, all right, well, I may get, I felt that I was, I could get Nick Chubb possibly coming back in the third round. And if not, I'm still going to get, a, you know, I could get some of these running backs. I get some running back. Maybe, you know, I'm going to end up with a, uh, I thought Chubb was possible. If not Jacobs, Drake, some maybe a Miles Sanders in there as well. I thought that's the way it was going to go. It didn't really go that way because after I took George Kittle 14th overall, it went Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Deshaun Watson, Miles Sanders, Devontae Adams. What a steal. Second quarterback off the board. Goes to what, 13th overall? Good. Or I'm sorry, uh, uh, um, 19th overall, I guess it would be Josh Jacobs, Tyreek Hill, Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb off the board. That was a uh, – I was – I must have been high thinking I was going to get Nick Chubb on the rebound, but whatever. And then Mark Andrews rounds out the second round. So that's how the first 24 picks in my Scott Fishbowl 10 draft goes. Do you agree? My first two picks, Michael Thomas, George Kittle. Let's hear from you at serious at I almost said my serious thing. At Jeff underscore Mans, everybody. At Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans on Facebook. If you want to hit me up that way, uh, TikTok and Snapchat, if you want to comment over those first two picks, would you have done something differently? Because I did end up paying a price at the running back spot. I'll tell you that that's how it wound up going for me. DeAndre Hopkins was the first pick off the board in the third round. And, uh, but there was a couple other guys, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones wound up being the 14th running back off the board. He goes midway through the third round. Eckler, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Zach Ertz, Matt Stafford. Oh, I don't like that pick at all. I mean, I'm fine with Matt Stafford, but I just feel like, I don't know. I, a lot of guys rushed to get their first quarterback and then didn't rush to get their second quarterback. And I think that's a bit of a problem. But then a running back tear went with Edwards, Hilaire, Eckler, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, all off the board. At this point, I'm, you know, one pick from me, I'm thinking I'm going to get Julio Jones. I'm going to have two top four 
wide receivers on my board on my team. And then Julio Jones goes to pick before me. That left me in a conundrum. I had my tight end. I wasn't going there. I could have gone quarterback at this stage, but the guy that was 12th already had one. So the odds of him going with the second one was very light. And I knew I needed a running back. And in my running back rankings at that point, I had James Conner at a way higher number than any of the remaining guys. So I grabbed James Conner with that pick. He's the 18th running back off the board. I have him as a top 10 running back in 2020. So I was very happy with that. Melvin Gordon, Chris Godwin go. And then I took a quarterback at this point in the fourth round because I was anticipating a pretty major rush. Either every team remaining that didn't have one quarterback was going to get one. And a couple of the teams that already had one, I felt like they were going to go after their second here as well. Because, again, nobody looked at the fucking scoring. It's, it's just crazy to me, crazy that nobody looked at the scoring and how this all goes. So uh, what did I wind up doing? Well, I went out and got, uh, I, I went out and got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is a top 30 guy or a top 30 player in this format overall. Get him in the fourth round. He's my number one quarterback. Again, a guy with a high completion percentage. Love Julio. Love Calvin Ridley. Hayden Hurst at tight end. Second year in the offense, Matt Ryan always takes off and takes flight there. So I'm pretty happy securing a Matt Ryan. Doesn't turn the ball over. That's a big, another big one for me. Doesn't fumble the ball all the time like a Josh Allen or Sam Darnold or some of these other guys. So uh, I was happy with Matt Ryan at that spot. And then sure enough, the tight, the, I was right on the quarterback run. You had Wentz, Rodgers, Brady all going in the rest of the fourth round. Um, only one in the fifth round, Kirk Cousins going there as well. But people, the guys in my draft kept pounding out running backs. Chris Carson, Cam Akers, who I thought for sure I was going to get Cam Akers back in the fifth. He ended up going just a few picks after me in the fourth round. I was very surprised by that. Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Mark Ingram all off the board. Uh, David Montgomery off the board as well before I get to my turn in the fifth round. 11th pick in the fifth round, I'm sitting there faced with the dilemma. I got um, what I have my tight end, have a receiver, have a running back, have my quarterback. So I'm spraying to all fields at this point. The best running back on the board at this point for me, either I took a shot on a, a J.K. Dobbins, a Sony Michelle. Uh, DeAndre Swift, Devin Singletary. Okay, and for, and for my money, I could have won Kareem Hunt, but it's too early to take a technical role-playing running back. So I didn't feel that there was a, a huge impact at that spot yet. Meanwhile, I had a guy who I'm very, very high on, 13th on my board at the wide receiver position, still alive, and I pair him with Matt Ryan. That's Calvin Ridley of the Falcons, fifth-round pick for me. I'm very excited about that choice. We love Calvin Ridley over at Fantasy Guru, our entire team. When all of us agree on certain players, we're never wrong. Like, history shows it. We're just not wrong. You know, when we disagree on players, man, some will be right, some will be wrong. We don't 
get that wrong. We are all in on Ridley this year. So uh, I was excited to get him in the fifth round. And again, Hayden Hurst, DJ Charco, I get the next best running back on my board at this point. In the sixth round, I go DeAndre Swift. Not happy about Swift. Ted Schuster, who does the offensive line breakdowns for us over at Fantasy Guru, he has been talking up this Detroit Lions offensive line from a run-blocking perspective. I do know Daryl Bevel. I talked about it in our last podcast, everybody, that Daryl Bevel is one of the heaviest run-volume coordinators and play callers in the National Football League. So good run-blocking offensive line, a clear indication they're going to run the football, and they spent a second-round pick to get one of, if not the most electric running back in this year's draft. Eh, why not? Am I thrilled with that, the, my pair of running backs after six rounds and Connor and Swift? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Am I thrilled with my receivers? <laughs> Positively. Michael Thomas and Ridley, I'll take it. Happy with my quarterback situation? Yes. Perfect. Matt Ryan, a plus every single week of last season. I look for him to outproduce last season, be a top 20 performer in this scoring format based on my projections. He was top 30 last year. And so I'm thrilled with that. And then I've got second best tight end in the game and George Kittle with massive upside. Do you realize George Kittle had five touchdowns called back last season? He gets some of those touchdowns to go. And we're talking about him in Travis Kelsey territory, everybody. So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with this. And the fact that I only have to start one running back and if James Conner with Roethlisberger back and Conner doing – you saw his workout tapes, right? If he does what he did two years ago when healthy with the healthy Roethlisberger and Randy Fickner's offense has always produced. Le'Veon Bell was a stud in this offense. Now, that was Todd Haley, but Fickner was an assistant. And they basically run the same system as well. So, again – Thrilled with my first six picks. Absolutely thrilled. Singletary, Kareem Hunt go off the board. At this point, people are choosing Rob Gronkowski, Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, these are bad picks. Folks, th this is where knowing your scoring format, you, there's no reason to take Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff. Josh Allen, it, it was a six-round pick here too. All these quarterbacks should not have been six-round picks. They're not worth it they're not worth the pick not at this spot you've got Keenan freaking Allen on the board Cortland Sutton still on the board DK Metcalf on the board you've got some real top end impact breakout candidate players on the board you're taking marginal quarterbacks simply because somebody told you it was a two quarterback league it's not a two, it's not two quarterback league doesn't mean you have to start two quarterbacks. Not in this format. So no, it's just not not a good look, not a good scene. I uh I'm very happy that those teams were doing it. You know, that those teams, the half of my league was going so uh um gung-ho on the quarterback position because it really you know, gave me some good players to choose on the way back in uh, in the seventh round. Uh, although, I will say this. So, with all those quarterbacks off the board, uh, by the way, Josh Allen, final pick of the sixth round, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, then Drew Locke, also go in the seventh round. Lockett, 
A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, way better picks in the seventh round, way better. J.K. Dobbins, eh, fine. I thought I was going to get Cortland Sutton to make one of the best trios of wide receivers in fantasy football history. I thought that's what I was going to be able to do and wasn't able to do it. He went right before or two picks before me um, right there. So DK Metcalf then goes right after. Oh, that was heartbreaking because I want a Metcalf in that spot too. So at this stage of the game, there are 22 quarterbacks off the board. I decide this was the hardest pick for me of the entire draft in the seventh round because I wound up taking a quarterback. The only reason I chose a quarterback in the seventh round of this draft is because there's 22 others off the board and because the quarterback in question just so happens to be my fifth ranked quarterback for the 2020 NFL season, fantasy football season, Baker Mayfield. I chose Baker Mayfield in the seventh round, and I'm ecstatic. I'm beyond ecstatic on it. Now, here comes the question. Why did if you're if Baker Mayfield's your number five quarterback, why did you wait to the seventh round to choose him to take him? Why did you choose him in front of Matt Ryan? It is this is the type of stuff that I need everybody to be aware of that I need to teach you guys. It's game theory. Know who you're drafting against, know what their tendencies are, and know where and know where, when you can get these, the players that you want. I knew that I didn't need to choose Baker Mayfield in the fourth round when I chose Matt Ryan. All right. Baker Mayfield scored a lot worse in the scoring format a year ago. Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan's a lot safer of a play given this format. Okay. He is. I still, even with the format, I rank Mayfield ahead because he is a higher ceiling than Matt Ryan this year, even though they're very close on my board. But I knew I could get Baker Mayfield late. I wasn't necessarily, because in a two-quarterback league, you can't guarantee you're going to get any quarterbacks, be any specific quarterback. You, all you know is the tiering of which you, where you can get a quarterback. And at this stage of the game, I was okay with Roethlisberger, Mayfield, or Cam Newton as my QB2. Everybody's choosing these, these garbage cans like uh, – Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, who's fine, but again, Burrow's a rookie. I'm not going to trust that. They're going off and doing that. I'm Baker Mayfield. You guys know what I think of the Browns offense. Two pot, two three podcasts ago, I was I told you buy the Browns, buy everything you got. So I got Baker Mayfield in that spot in the seventh round. Very happy about that one. Um, then coming back around, I had a choice. There's not many running backs left on the board. Sony Michelle was still there. Jordan Howard was still there. Damian Williams, uh, guys, James white, Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn. These guys were still there. Eh, eh. I had Swift and Connor. I'm not going to choose another marginal guy just for the hell of it. So I ended up going Marquise Hollywood. What's your dream Brown? Big upside. This is a the type of league that I'm in in Scott Fishbowl. It's an overall total points league as, as well. You win your league by win loss record, but the overall, which is what everybody's gunning for, you want that overall prize. There's no prize. It's just for it's bragging rights. But that's where you need the most total points all season long. 
And thus, you, you shoot for the moon. You go for it. And Marquise Brown is that ultimate home run hitter wide receiver. And with every team starting at least four wideouts, everyone's going to be starting four wide receivers. Very few are going to have that kind of triumvirate of Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, and Marquise Brown that I do. All right. So that's where I, that's who I went with in that eighth round Um, came back around in in the ninth round. And by then the quarterbacks are done. You get some nice value on tight ends. I actually kind of Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram were both available in that eighth round. And in hindsight, wouldn't have been a bad move starting a tight end. That's a elite pass catcher, like an Ingram. And I think Henry's target share is going to go up this year with Tyrod Taylor starting and then eventually Justin Herbert in L.A. with the Chargers. Uh, So I do like those guys. And maybe that was a mistake. Ingram might have been a hell of a nice flex to have. I already have George Kittle, full point PPR for him. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a new system. It's a Jason Garrett offense, a lot of blocking from the tight ends in a Jason Garrett offense. And you've got Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley to contend with. Just didn't have the oomph for impact that I was looking for uh, like Brown did. Coming back around in the ninth round, uh, those tight ends were off the board. I felt at this point, Debo Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry all off the board. I would love to have gotten Landry to pair with Mayfield. That would have been fantastic. And um, I could have went Landry instead of Brown, realistically, but I played for the upside in that one. I come back around in the ninth round. I added another running back, and the guy I got is Ronald Jones. I'm not a Ronald Jones guy at all. 37th running back off the board, though. He's the incumbent starter. We know rookies this season. It's going to be hard for some rookies, including my own DeAndre Swift that I got earlier. I didn't want to balance my team on two rookie running backs, or uh, I kind of hedged in a way where if rookies are far behind Keyshawn Vaughn and Swift, well, then Ronald Jones would be the guy in Tampa Bay, at least in the early going till Swift gets going. I could balance it out that way a little bit. I'm not a big Ronald Jones guy. I will say that a couple of guys on our staff, including Tyler Beaker, who's done well in this format before, he's pretty high on Ronald Jones. And he's been moving him up. We did a little special over there at fantasyguru.com about players were higher on now than we were a month ago. And Ronald Jones was Tyler. So, for what that's worth, uh, it's not the worst pick in the world. Came back around the 10th, and I love my pick. Love the pick here, Will Fuller. I don't know how I get Will Fuller in the 10th round. I, I have no idea. Because when I was choosing Marquise Brown two rounds ago, it was really between Landry, Fuller, and Brown. And I sort of just took the road less travel with Brown. And I kind of regretted that pick and thought, ah, I probably should have went Landry for safe or Fuller for upside and all that. Turns out I got Fuller two two rounds later. So that worked out extraordinarily well, in my opinion. I'm really, really happy getting Will Fuller in that 10th round right there. Come back around um, 
in the 11th round. A bunch of tight ends are going at this point. Uh, Hawkinson, Jared Cook, Mike Gusecki, Austin Hooper. Uh, Higby was off the board a while ago at this point. And Noah Fant went off the board. So in 11th round, I, in 16th uh, tight end off the board, I went to Ellis Goddard. Again, I decided, screw it, go for upside in a tight end premium league. No team in the NFL played more two tight end sets than the Philadelphia Eagles. That's 52% next highest, I think it was 38. Nobody plays as many two tight end sets, so he's on the field a lot. Zach Ertz takes on a lot of contact, an older tight end. He's constantly banged up. He's had, he has had back issues in the past that can always flare up too. If somehow, if Zach Ertz goes down, then Goddard could be the number one tight end in fantasy football. He could be right at the level of a Kittle, at least, if not Kelsey. That's how good, that's what the offense predicates. Carson Wentz target share to tight ends is high. Doug Peterson, don't forget, he's from Kansas City. He helped develop and make Travis Kelsey. So this is like Goddard, maybe it, it could be his year. That's a play to win the league. And, you know, instead of Noah Fant and Gusecki and some Jared Cook, old man, eh, I'll go for the breakout. As a second tight end behind George Kittle, I think I've got the best tight end set up in the entire league. I strongly believe that, as a matter of fact. So I was happy with that 11. I come back around at 12. And this may be this may turn out to be the steal of the draft as well. As you can tell, I'm bullish on this team. Zach Moss. Another rookie running back, but 12th round, 43rd running back off the board. I got this guy well within my top 34. I wouldn't doubt if he's in a 50-50 split. And if this turns out to be a 60-40, it wouldn't surprise me if Zach Moss got the 60 in Buffalo. Singletary's a pretty one-dimensional runner. Was ineffective running between the tackles a year ago. Good, Great pass catcher. He's very elusive. But Zach Moss is the between-the-tackles runner, the, the guy who picks up first downs, which, by the way, should have mentioned this, point for first downs. A point for every first down, too. Half a point, I'm sorry. For every first down in this format. Another one. So I really like Zach Moss in this format. So all of a sudden, you know, my, my running backs are not good. They suck. But James Conner... We know what he does when everybody's healthy in Pittsburgh. DeAndre Swift is in a positive environment. Ronald Jones, pass catcher in Tampa Bay. Uh, if Keyshawn Vaughn, he added some weight, supposedly looking real good. We'll see about him. And then Zach Moss, another rookie, may take a while. But the goal is if James Conner can start the season healthy, have a good four-game stretch in the beginning, by then – Feeling pretty good about Swift and Moss reclaiming there. And Ronald Jones is the wild card. Hopefully he's the pass catcher for Brady. That's all I could really hope there. And if that's the case, I could at least survive in that, in that kind of environment and win it with my quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers who are fantastic. In the 13th round, I ended up making a choice. This was before – he announced his retirement. I took Antonio Brown. I stand by the pick. I do not regret that pick at all. I'm sure I would love to have gotten him later, but 
Antonio Brown in the 13th round, the 56th wide receiver off the board. In a league like this, where it's an overall championship that you're really going for out of 1,200 people, there, at the time I drafted him, there was real hot rumors that he was close to a deal with Seattle. Didn't happen. He announced his retirement since. Mm. Obviously not thrilled about that. I don't believe he's going to stay away from football. I, I don't think so. I think he's going to come back. I think he'll latch on somewhere, whether it's Baltimore. If it's Baltimore, it's going to be fantastic. You know, it could be San Francisco, which would be fantastic. You know, there's teams that need a wide receiver desperately and are one guy away from a potential Super Bowl or deep playoff run. So Antonio Brown at that spot is worth it to me. 14th round, I come back around. I chose another receiver, Alan Lazard. I think that they'll pass more in Green Bay this year. I think Aaron Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder and going to play with it all season long ever since they selected Jordan Love. So I think there's potential there for a second wide receiver to step up. It's really nobody else. Devonte Adams and nobody else. Lazard has been the favorite of Aaron Rodgers last year. And with that in mind, I, I took a, a shot. It's really Lazard or Devin Funches. Marquise Valdez-Scantling's out of the mix. We know Geronimo Allison's gone. He's in Detroit now, so that doesn't matter. So I took a shot on Lazard at this point as well. That was my 14th round pick. Now, this is a 22-round draft. 22 round draft some other notable picks um you know around here everybody is we had um you know guys like robbie anderson um guys like uh, here's a couple picks that i did like in the 13th round when i went with antonio brown i'll tell you my thinking here i went in the 13th round thinking I was going to get a pretty good diamond in the rough, another wide receiver that I really liked. But then Jerry Judy, Golden Tate, Emmanuel Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, Anthony Miller, and Henry Ruggs all go off the board before I chose Brown. If I would not have chose Miller or Ruggs, but Jeffrey, Sanders, Tate, and Judy, I would have taken all of them instead of Brown. And I'm pretty sure that I could have got Brown with that 14th round pick on the wraparound instead of Lazard. So kind of bummed on that. That would have looked a lot better, right? What do you guys think? Are you still on board? Antonio Brown won't play. Do you believe him? What he posted on Twitter at AB84 the other day. Hit me up at Jeff underscore Mans. Let, you, let me know what you think of that selection. What do you think of my running backs? In the Scott Fishbowl draft right now. Again, Zach Moss, Ronald Jones, DeAndre Swift, James Conner. I only added one more running back the entire rest of the draft, folks. Only one more guy. <sighs> yeah, it's uh, disheartening to say the least, but uh, um, you only having to start one is a big deal. I want why I was able to pull this one off. In the 15th round, I wound up going Randall Cobb, 64th wide receiver off the board. Again, my wide receivers are thick. This is a good group. This is a great group. I love Randall Cobb. Got a big contract with Houston. I think Randall Cobb outproduces Brandon Cooks in this offense. 
Okay. Now I already have Will Fuller. All right. So in a league this deep and this big, and you're playing for that upside, you kind of identify a spot, identify a team, a role, and, and you just go all in on it. All right. And that's what I've done here with a couple different scenarios. You know, well, it's why I bought into DeAndre Swift and was buying into the backfield. I didn't get Karrion Johnson. He ended up going too early. I would have loved to have handcuffed him. Absolutely loved it, but didn't get to. Would have loved to handcuff Connor, but all his backups, Snell, McFarland, all go early and way before I can get them. That kind of sucked. So backfired on me. I would have normally handcuffed, but I did handcuff Will Fuller, who's constantly hurt with a Randall Cobb. Uh, I think that's just a great mix. Yeah, I think that's just a two explosive players that with a, an emerging quarterback that has a gaping hole for a ton of targets, ton of receptions and yards and touchdowns that DeAndre Hopkins leaves. And so I got two of those guys. I think Will Fuller is obviously first in line. He has a special connection with, the, with uh, Deshaun Watson. But Randall Cobb right there to scoop it up as well. At this point in the 16th round, this is where, again, the league kind of gave me uh, another blessing. 16th round, I had no desire, no even thought to choose in a third quarterback. Absolutely none. Didn't even, wasn't even going to think of it at all. But they left, they left all these play, all these, uh, they left one quarterback on the board. They left Ryan Fitzpatrick on the board for, for me, who I took in the 16th round. I mean, at this point, Jared Stidham, Mitch Trubisky were already off the board. Justin Herbert, Tua Tagliavoa, Tyrod Taylor, all these guys are off the board before Ryan Fitzpatrick. For one, Tua's not going to play to at least the second half of the season. He's got a major hip injury he's coming back from. He's a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks never produce. Rookie quarterbacks with COVID-19 delaying their training camp, delaying OTAs and mini camps, they're dead in the water pretty much. Fitzpatrick is reunited with Shan Gailey, who he has had both at Buffalo and New York. Two of his best seasons as a professional quarterback have come with them. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who in this format one year ago, was the uh is pretty where was he let me look at this uh yeah 24th 24th highest scoring quarterback in this format a year ago now again ryan fitzpatrick didn't score a shit ton of points here but he scored as many as gardner Minshew. he was right behind jared goff right behind daniel jones he had more than Mitch Trubisky, more than Sam Darnold, more than Baker Mayfield, more than Kyle Allen. Why not? Why not just take a shot at a quarterback at that point? So uh, I did that. The next round, that was my 16th round pick. 17th round went with Tyler Eifert of the Jaguars. Third tight end, tight end premium league. Another guy that fits the system real well. Tyler Eifert had a couple of great years in Cincinnati. Do you know who his offensive coordinator was? It was Jay Gruden. You know who his offense coordinator is this year in Jacksonville? It's Jay Gruden. So, again, 
it's something. Okay. It's just a third tight end. Don't expect much in terms of the reception count or targets, but I think he could be pretty valuable red zone weapon for that team. So he could fall into that. You're looking for that Jared Cook type, who, by the way, went six rounds earlier. You know, um, not bad, right? It's not, I mean, it's, it's at least an option. He's the 30th tight end off the board, which I have him as a top 15 option this year. So another value. Uh, that was my 17th round pick. 18th round, Devin Funches. I uh, handcuffed it. I handcuffed Lazard and Funches essentially for the wide receiver two spot with the Green Bay Packers. Why not? Tyrell Williams was my 19th round selection um, in this draft. T. Higgins, rookie, went in Cincinnati he was my 20th round pick 21st round I finally get another running back and I got Lamar Miller now Lamar Miller is only 28 years old he feels like he's 104 he's not on a team he's a free agent but he's one of those guys that's kind of sitting there and where Devonta Freeman see where Freeman went early he went a lot earlier in this draft like he he went way up there um you know, with people hope, you know, thinking and expecting him to sign. Yeah, he went in the 15th round. I got Lamar Miller in the 21st round. All right, so why not? You, I think that if a running, when the first or second running back goes down the injury, Lamar Miller is that veteran guy come in. If he gets in the right system, it's, it's a complete and utter lottery ticket. But I took a shot there. 22nd round, final pick of the draft was Trent Taylor. Could be. He could be the starting slot wide receiver of the San Francisco 49ers. No Debo early. He's coming back from an injury himself. He and Jimmy Garoppolo had a great chemistry their first year, and then Taylor goes down, and then Garoppolo goes down the next year. Taylor goes down last year, and, you know, so now we're set. So, you know, again, last-round pick, take a shot on a guy like that. So that is my team. What are your thoughts at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, or however, let me know what you think. What would you have done differently? Uh, my running backs, are they enough to win this league? Is it enough to win the overall? Again, Matt Ryan, Baker, Mayfield, Ryan Fitzpatrick are my quarterbacks. My running backs, not great. James Conner, DeAndre Swift, Zach Moss, Ronald Jones, and Lamar Miller. My wide receivers, much better. Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, Will Fuller, Marquise Brown, Antonio Brown, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Devin Funches, Tyrell Williams, T. Higgins, and Trent Taylor, the tight ends. George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, Tyler Eifert. Again, no kickers, no defense in this format whatsoever. There you go, folks. All right, so that's my draft. I put it on tape. That's where I was at as of July 6th, started this draft. Just ended a few days ago, so we'll call it the 20th of July. It was a slow draft going. I do want to recommend if you have the means in care about charities and great organizations, fantasycares.net. Great organization, great cause, always doing well and right by people in need. It is um, a wonderful thing. Thanks to Scott Fish for inviting me in this draft once again this year. I hope to do him 
and everybody proud as a result. So there you go. Uh, let's see, any news going on around the National Football League? Not really. Every day that goes by, I talked about this on the last episode, every day that goes by, they, the NFL is instituting new rules and regulations. And one of the things that came out just the other day, uh, two things. One, they anybody, any fan who goes to an NFL game this year will be required to wear a mask if they're allowed in the stadium. I really doubt we'll see fans in the stands this NFL season. If we do, it's a tremendous, tremendous thing. And then also uh, the officials. Uh, NFL officials uh, are likely – won't be on the field until the first week of the regular season. Just be, Normally, they're on the field during training camps and preseason games and things like that. So, there's always rule changes. We have a podcast about that over at FantasyGuru.com. Check it out. Rule changes, things they want to institute, things they want to sharpen up. We, unfortunately, are not going to know how the officials are going to call these games until week one of the season we're gonna have to react accordingly at that point hopefully it's nothing dramatic hopefully they're not doing that the catch rule bullcrap that we saw years ago was 2012 with calvin johnson oh my i'll never forget when i saw that never forget where i was at that point so those are the big news coming out of the nfl right now everybody it is um Changing by the day, the good news is we have Major League Baseball back. We've got the NBA a week away, NHL a week and a half away. And, of course, we've got the NFL training camps opening just under a week. They may be pushed back a little bit. Remember, folks, fantasyguru.com slash mans. Get yourself 20% off our draft guide, our full season coverage. It's backed by the guru guarantee. If there's no NFL season, not only do you get the next NFL season, whether that be 2021, 2022, 2023, whenever it may be, you get the next season uh, include, included with that price. If there's a cancellation, not only do you get that, you also get a full year of EliteSportsBetting.com all to yourself. You can bet on everything from poker, horse racing, baseball, basketball, Overseas, KBO, Nippon League, MMA, UFC, PGA, NHL, eSports games, NBA basketball, soccer, a ton of soccer, uh, NASCAR, Formula One, tennis. I mean, we have everything you could possibly need for you over there, EliteSportsBetting.com. Not a bad fallback plan in case uh, the NFL season weren't to go. I am fully fully confident that that the NFL season will come up and play and be very, very fun to watch. And it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be a hell of a season, everybody. So uh, I'm not worried whatsoever, but if you are, the guru guarantees there for you. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Episode 23, Scott Fishbowl 10 draft recap, a bonus feature for all of you. I want to thank every, each and every one of you for listening, for downloading, for subscribing, ideally for telling a friend or relative, family member, league mate, whatever it may be, whatever your sport you're into, or if you just like entertainment purposes or fantasy football or just NFL fan. Folks, again, 
we want to spread the word. We're not doing marketing behind this podcast. We're not hiring public relations. It's all about word of mouth. If you want more episodes, if you want more straight talk from me, you want more guests, you want more access, all you have to do is tell a friend, spread the word, grow this thing, and uh, we will be right here for you every single step of the way. That's episode 23. You may disagree, and that's okay. Why? Because this was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces! Deuces!